Welcome to today's podcast by Preacher, as he provides sound teaching on the pure and undiluted truth of God's Word, with life application that inspires you to live a holy life pleasing to God. We pray that these teachings will inspire you to live out your faith daily with confidence, be assured of your salvation in Christ, and God's unconditional love for you. Our scripture reading this morning will be taken from the book of Ephesians, the fourth chapter, and beginning with the first verse. I would call your attention to the fact that the Apostle Paul, in writing this part of the inspired word of God, was in prison. So this is what he has to say to those who are still free. I therefore, prisoner for the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of the calling to which you have been called with all lowliness and meekness, with patience, forbearing one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. There is one body, one Spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of us all, who is above all and through all and in all. But grace was given to each of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it is said, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives, and he gave gifts to men. In saying he ascended, what does it mean but that he had also descended into the lower parts of the earth? He who descended is he who also ascended far above all the heavens that he might fill all things. And his gifts were that some should be apostles and some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the cunning of men, by their craftiness and deceitful wiles. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way unto him who is the head unto Christ from whom the whole body joined and knit together by every joint with which is supplied when each part is working properly makes bodily growth and upbuilds itself in love. Lord, help us to understand this morning what we have read about the body, the church of Christ. I was talking to a man not too long ago who at one time did a lot of uh, construction work here within our city and he was telling me about a time that uh, he took a contract to for a client to move a log house and so he hired two men and took them out to the site of where the house was to be dismantled and began to go over what the, what he wanted them to do to take uh, these logs apart one at a time carefully list them, number them, and mark them in such a way that when they got ready to put the house back together, uh, that they could easily put this log house back together at another site. 
Not only did he want them to do that, he said, but do you see all of these big field stones, big, big slabs of rock that make up this walk and make up the patio in the back? said, we want those numbered too. And listed carefully, taken up and piled in a nice pile so that we can take them at the same site and put this walk back together precisely as we have taken it up. And upon that, he finished his speech. And he said, one man looked at him and says, I quit. I'm going to go back to town with you. I'm just too much for me. So he looked over at the other guy to see if he's going to quit too. And he says, no, he says, I'm not going to quit. He says, I came to work. And he says, I'll, I'll stay and do the job that, that you have outlined for me to do here. But he says, it does look like I have my work cut out for me. Now, when you look at the church and you think about it and all of its greatness, its magnitude, and how it reaches into this world of ours and into every phase of our society, and you think about its tentacles, its hands it has out, and, and some of the higher ups in such a, a distant place, and you look at it and you wonder, well, can I really make a difference in the church? Is there anything here that I can really affect and to bring it to the place of where it begins to be the instrument in the hand of God and that it ought to be? Now, if we stand back and look at it at that level of the church and, it, and how complicated it is and its greatness of its organization, perhaps we will not make too much sense out of it. But dear friends, let me tell you in effect, if we will step a little closer to the church and take a look at the church where you and I are, you will be able to see in its construction and its makeup, it's such a simple thing. And it's something that Peter says was not designed necessarily here upon the face of this earth. But as he points out to you that Jesus Christ had something to do with it and that he went from this place to heaven and back again. And inasmuch as he went to that place and came back again, it says that Jesus Christ gave certain gifts to men. It also says that he gave certain gifts to men and women who make up the church. Now, sometimes when I look at the way that God orders things, I, I am like you sometimes. I, I wonder about it. I, I can't help but wonder about it. And I'll tell you about uh, the, something I wonder, wonder about. It's sort of a, an example of, of why did God do it this way? Why did he have to do it this way? You remember that very interesting story in the Old Testament where the old prophet is now trying to make a selection for the new king uh, to take the place of Saul. And so the Lord told the old prophet, said, uh, uh, there's a, a farmer out here, a person that owns a lot of flock and sheep and cattle and so forth, said, you go out and I have selected one of his sons. But it's just like God not telling which one, you see. He didn't call him by name. Why didn't God tell him which one? You know, he had a whole bunch of sons. What did he have, 12? Well, he had a whole bunch of sons. But the Lord failed to tell him which son it was. And so he goes out to see Jesse, you remember? Goes in and the old prophet tells Jesse why he was here. So Jesse was really surprised in the fact that, uh, that the old prophet was supposed to anoint one of his sons to be a king. Now he did exactly what any of us would do. You know, these people are just as human as you and I are today. Now, Jesse, he thought about the situation for a while, and he thought of his most promising son. And so he, he was said, now you bring this one in. And so 
he brought this son in before the old prophet, and the old prophet looked and says, no, that's not the one. Now this father did the same, just went right down the line. He brought in the next best son, you know, and the next best. And every time the old prophet said, no, that's not the one. That's not the one. And he came down to the, to the very last one he had there. And the old prophet says, no, that's not the one. And he said, don't you have another son somewhere? He says, yes, I do have it, but he's out watching the sheep. He says, well, you stand and get him and bring him in here. The Lord has told me that one of your sons need to be, that I need to, to, uh, to anoint them as king of Israel, of God's people. He said, yes, I've got this little runny son out there in the field. And he's sort of ruddy complexion. He's not much to look at. Bring him in here and let me see him. And this one, remember, is David. When David came in at that moment, the old prophet knew that this was the one that he needed to anoint as king. And then the golden age of the Jewish people, of God's people, were brought in through this king, David. I haven't told you that story to tell you that was the coming of the golden age for the people of God. But to tell you why did God have to call this old prophet and tell him to go out there and anoint a son of Jesse that he didn't know which one. They had to wait till they all came before him before he found it. You see the way that God does things? I don't understand it. I don't understand it. I just know that this is the way that seemingly pleases God. Now when it comes to the makeup of the church, the New Testament church, and you know you hear people talking about that they belong to a New Testament church. Well, all of us belong to a New Testament church. This is a New Testament church. We believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and that makes us the New Testament church, you see. The structure, the inner structure of the church. Now, now let's turn to it. If you've got your Bible, turn with me and Ephesians, the fourth chapter, and just look right there. It started at the 11th verse. And his gifts were that he should. Jesus is given gifts. Why did he have to do this? I am part of the structure as you are, and I still don't understand it. I don't understand. I'm like the, the Apostle Paul. I, I don't understand. As he's talking there in first at the church at Corinth, you know, he's writing a letter to them. The first chapter along about the 18th verse, remember, he tells them that in effect that he doesn't understand this business of preaching. But he knows that God has ordained it and it is through this that God will call some to be his servant. Well, that's about as best I can do too. I, I, don't, I don't understand this. Well, look at this now. It says right here, the 11th verse. And his gifts were that some should be apostles. Now, I can understand that. I can understand that when this church was started, that the Lord Jesus Christ had to have certain people around him in order that he could pass on his information, his knowledge to them, and so that they could go out through the world and be able to turn the world into what he wanted it to be turned into and take the good news, the gospel, the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ to them. And so some other apostles. Well, you think of the twelve. Including Paul. Three things you usually thought of. One of the two of the three you usually thought of as qualifying a person to be an apostle. Number one, you had to be have walked with the Lord Jesus Christ. Usually think of that. Or he saw Christ. Not only that, that he witnessed the uh, the death of Christ and the resurrection of Christ. 
And he also was given and empowered with his ability and capability to be able to perform miracles. And if you had done all of those, or at least two of those three, you would be qualified to be an apostle. And his gifts were some should be apostles. But of necessity and the way that he orders things, these people died. We do not have any apostles with us anymore. They went with the going of the last of those who walked with the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, he comes on to say, and some prophets. I do not know anything more within our society today is misunderstood uh, than this the term we use here as prophet. Now, <clears throat> We used to think of, of a prophet being one uh, that can foretell the future. Uh, what is, hasn't happened yet, but what is, is yet to be. Now, in one time when we think about it in the Old Testament, in that concept, uh, that was precisely so. But you see, now we live in a different era and a different time. And this not only it comes to mean something today in the New Testament that, that is completely different from. It is one not that tells the future, but one who foretells what comes from the uh, foretells, what is coming from the scriptures, you see. We believe today that there was a need for this prophetic power that was had in the Old Testament. Before the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, but now in the complete and perfect revelation of God, which we have within his holy word, there is no need anymore for one to be able to foretell the future. The prophet today is one that tells what is written herein. Now he may be inspired, he may be illuminated, he may have all of these others' abilities and capabilities, but we believe, don't we believe? Of course we believe uh, that everything that is necessary for salvation, everything needful for a person to believe, to have access to the kingdom of God and to be a part of the living part of God's kingdom today. In other words, to be a living part of the body of Christ today. We believe that everything that a person must believe has already been written right here. And if anyone ever comes and tells you something other than what is here or cannot be justified, but what is written here, you might as well mark it down that he is a false prophet. That's the way that it is. We believe, again, that everything that is necessary for salvation, for a person to live and to be a dynamic Christian today, a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ, is written right here. Now the prophet takes his place then more as a preacher today. And this is the part, the, the foretelling of the word of God. We hold to these truths. Now, my friend, if you can say that that is right and we hold to these truths, you see you have just eliminated then the other part of the prophetic power that was carried within the Old Testament. It faded out when the coming of the divine revelation of God that was put together as the Bible. Now, that's what you and I believe today. Now, we're confused sometimes as to what the preacher is supposed to do or the prophet is supposed to do within, within the church and what we're really called to do. You see, 
in the first place, one of the great, one of our great bishops in my lifetime that we had, that I thought had no peers, and it's still true in my life today, the other great men, don't misunderstand what I'm saying now, but one of the great bishops within the last uh, 20 or 30 years here within the Methodist Church was Bishop Watkins, the very man that this church is named after. It could carry no better name. Bishop Watkins was one of the greatest preachers that I have ever heard. He was such a profound, such a profound man. I remember hearing him say as a young preacher on the conference floor, I can remember it as if it was only yesterday. He said, it doesn't make any difference what other kind of attributes a prophet has or a preacher has. That if he is not able to communicate the word of God, it might be well a sign that that person has not been called, he has misunderstood his call, and needs to be thinking of another relationship within the church. Now you see what this man was saying? He is saying that the first call of a prophet is always the same. The emphasis is laid upon the, the expounding of the word of God. And if he's not willing to spend the time and the effort that is necessary to do it, uh, then it might be that he has misunderstood his call. Now you know in the Old Testament they had two or three ways that they could tell a false prophet. Very interesting, really. And they could tell a man was a false prophet if he came to you. See, they travel around to different, different places to speak. If the prophet came to you, you're supposed to take care of him over the weekend, I suppose, you see. Like we used to do as traveling preachers years ago when this country was young, you know. They had no hotels and motels. You came and you stayed with someone within the congregation. Now it was all right to stay Saturday and Sunday. But if you want to stay on a Monday, that would be a sign you was a false prophet. You couldn't stay on a Monday. So you, you had to just come and leave on a Sunday, you see. Or, they said it was a sign of a false prophet if he came among you and he said he had an inspiration given to him of God that he should take up an offering and you had to respond to it. Well, you said, if he did that, you would just know that he was a false prophet, you see. So I'm not going to take up a special offering this morning, you see. But... We have spelt out to us within the New Testament here precisely what our relationship is to be to one another. Now, you see, the greatest thing, Pope, that can happen to a church, the greatest, one of the greatest single things that could possibly happen to a church is for that church to fit together precisely as Paul is talking about here and be able to do it in such a way with, with such wisdom and with understanding and with such love uh, that we would honor and respect one another in unity. You see, this unity speaks of two things, of maturity and of love, that we would be able to fit this body together in such a way, just like a human body, that, that it would be supplied and be working in such a way uh, that it would be in such perfection of love and maturity that there would be those of us whom God is looking to and we would create such an atmosphere of, love, atmosphere of love that those who are young among us would be able to hear the call of the Holy Spirit as he has given to them some to be prophets.
evangelists, pastors, and teachers. One of the greatest things that ever happened to us here with all this great number of, of intelligent young people, capable young people, for us as adults to be able to work together in such a way that they could hear the call of God. And they wouldn't have to ask anyone who's calling me, as Samuel did as a young boy. But they would know immediately, God is speaking to my heart. God will not leave his people without the leadership that he wants given to them. The first place, a prophet is one uh, that brings forth uh, the truths from the scripture and reveals it to another human being. And that's just another way saying that they preach the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now it says also here he gave some to be prophets and some evangelists. Now the evangelist as we think of in the day is a little bit different was than the and the New Testament, though it's the fact simply the same thing. Uh, the evangelist in the New Testament would be more in keeping with what we think of a missionary today. And you remember it was Paul who said to Timothy that uh, he said that for you to be a good evangelist, to have this part within our framework of the church and the kingdom of God as it's put together. Well, evangelists God still calls today. They're still among us. And he has blessed the church and the body of Christ in such a way that he has given certain abilities and capabilities to these people, these men and women. And he has planted within their, their soul a burning desire to see men and women born in the kingdom of God. And that's not to say that we don't have that desire too. Uh, but, it, but they have this, this, special, this special gift of God. Now think of the great evangelists. That we have. There's Billy, Billy Graham. They say that he has preached to more people than any other human being that's ever lived upon the face of the earth. And I believe it. But we think of these men who have these special gifts that God has given to us. Not that anyone would be jealous of them or in contention with them because they have their place within the church. Now, if you will note, the Bible doesn't say too much about evangelists. And so I'm not going to say too much about it either. Now go on to the next one. Okay. <laughs> It says, pastors, here's one. It says, apostles, some prophets, and some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers. Another great group of people that is completely misunderstood within our framework, the way that God has ordered his church to be put together. In all probability, these two concepts went together. In fact, they were the one and the same in the same person. They were they were. Um, ministers and, and, and teachers. Now what was their responsibility? And it's interesting to consider the responsibility that they had. Their responsibility was to know the scriptures. Now mark this down, folks. That's group we're talking to because it's, it's down where you and I live. See, Their responsibility was to know the scriptures, to read it, to study it, to meditate on it, to pray and for this word of God to become a living, creative, dynamic part of them. So that they would be able to think without even thinking about it in the terms of the scripture. Be their second nature, in other words. Their responsibility was to know 
the scriptures. To know the doctrines of our faith and of a church. Know what we believe and why we believe it. As Paul says on another occasion, that you should be able to give a reasonable answer for why you believe the way that you believe. Now, folks, he was talking to all of us. Are you the one that is living on the fringe of things in such a way, even though you have three or four Bibles within your, within your home, that you, if someone asked you why you believe the way that you believe, that you couldn't for your life tell them in an orderly fashion why you believe what you say you believe? Or do you have to say, well, now we'll go ask the preacher. Hmm. Well, the preacher may not know either, you see. Anyhow, his responsibility or her responsibility is to know the doctrines of the Christian faith and to be able to know it in such a way that you can place your emphasis in the right place and give a sense of direction to those people that you associate with and that you can actually come to the place where together you can share this together and you can present it in such a way uh, that for your own heart and for your own soul and the lives of those around you and especially your children that uh, this truth will defend them from the evils of this world. Now, folk, I believe that. I believe that with every bit of my heart and my soul. One of the worst things that a parent can do is to be able to bring a child up in this society in which we live and never make contact with the church and with the body of the Lord Jesus Christ anywhere and let them be completely ignorant as to the truth of what life is all about. We are committed to bring our children in a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ where there's somewhere, someplace within their life that they will have the knowledge that they need to have so when Jesus speaks to them through the Holy Spirit, they will be able to say yes to Him in a knowledgeable way. Not guessing, not hoping, but knowing that they are saying yes to a commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the responsibility of these who it says right here are pastors and teachers. Uh, they are to respond to the practical service of living each day and doing the mundane things all the way from digging a ditch perhaps to teaching the greatness of the word of God on the Sabbath day. Now <clears throat> This is done in order to build up, to arrive at the perfect unity. You see, the church of the Lord Jesus Christ is supposed to have such a unity that it will be an expression of the love of God. To equip who? Now notice it. What does it mean here to equip? To equip. To equip. To build up the body. For what reason? In order that we all might minister. Now notice that word. Pastors and teachers. It's a better translation of that word pastor to say minister and teacher. Now you see, the pastor situation, you think that is someone who specialized and gone away to school and all that sort of stuff, but that's not what he's really saying. That's not what he's really saying. No, no. What he is saying that you have been called and you have been given certain gifts. And as we give this to one another within the church, 
the saints of God, the church is built up in such a way that every last living one of us are brought to the place in the body of the Lord Jesus Christ where we can teach and where we can minister one to the other. Amen, brother. That's good preaching. That's straight from the Bible. You know. To minister. The tragedy of our society and our church today is that perhaps at this point, if it be somewhere, and that is this, the man or the woman that thinks his religious responsibilities begins and ends with Sunday. And he picks up his Bible on a Sunday morning and brings it to church and knocks the week's dust off of it. And he brings it to church and he thinks of the, of the worship service that we're in right now. He thinks the worship service is nothing more then whether or not the preacher has preached and hollered in such a way to keep me awake, or he's spoken on some subject that was sort of interesting to me that I liked, and so I go along with that, or he spoke about something that I think he had no business talking about, though I don't like it. I've been going back home, placing it on the same table to leave it there until the next day. I hope that's better than nothing. But that's not what God that's not what Paul is talking about here. He's talking about you and me as we accept our responsibility within the kingdom of God. Now, folks, let me tell you something. It's not a matter. Now, look, this is not debatable. This part of what I'm saying right now, listen carefully. This is not debatable. It said this place, this thing, took place here on earth and took place in heaven. I, I would suppose that it seemingly what it leads you to believe that that Christ had a consultation with God, and God gave to him certain thoughts to bring back here upon the earth. You see, it took place here, it took place in heaven, and Jesus came back here. That's what Paul, that's the point that Paul's trying to make. He went up, he came back, and then he's coming back. What did he bring? He brought these things right here. He brought some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers, in order that the saints of God might be equipped. Now, folk, it is not debatable whether or not you have been called. It's not debatable whether or not that you are a minister and teacher in the kingdom of God. You are, just as surely, just as much as I have been called to be a preacher. Now, you may not sense it, you may have not recognized it, and you may not have responded to it. But let me tell you something you have been. The only thing that we might debate this morning is simply this. If you haven't started, where are you going to start? That's all we can debate. The rest of it has already been signed, sealed, and delivered by the Lord Jesus Christ under the influence of God that brought this concept of the church back here upon the face of the earth. And I want to tell you, you are just as much a part of this church, the New Testament church, as anyone, anywhere that has ever lived since the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. You and I, right now, at this very moment, isn't that fantastic? Our Father, help us then that we might see something of the awesomeness of the opportunity and the responsibility that we have today in that kingdom. Amen. Thanks for listening. Hope you were blessed. We pray the Holy Spirit will make you a doer of His words, finishing the work He started in making you more like Christ for the transformation of this world and preparation for heaven.